Good afternoon, this is Jim McGregor from Tirius Research, here joined with my colleague Kevin Crewell. Hi there. And we're going to talk today about the always connected PC. This is a concept that's being introduced by Qualcomm and Microsoft along with its partners. Um, last week they announced partnerships with Lenovo, um, Acer, no I'm sorry, uh, Lenovo, Asus, and HP. Um, HP and Asus being the first two to introduce uh, PCs, um, followed quickly by Lenovo in Q1. So Kevin, um, what do you think about a PC that has all the connectivity of a smartphone and uses a smartphone uh, processor to give you a week's worth of battery life? Well, that's that's an interesting. Um, well, it's a it's a week of battery life, including standby. Uh, but as I understand it, it's also um, 20 hours plus of actual work, straight work time. And I think that's actually a really good thing for a lot of people, especially road warriors like, my, like you and I. Uh, the biggest challenge, the biggest question I think right now is going to be, well, um, how, how is the performance? Until we get our hands on it, uh, a lot of people are poo-pooing the, the concept saying that that uh, traditional x86 applications won't run that well on a Qualcomm Snapdragon 835 processor. Well, according to Microsoft, they have put optimizations into Windows 10 S, and S is the latest version. So there is not a, it is the true Windows. They put optimizations in there to, you know, help with the emulation so you don't see a big performance degradation. However, if the user requires uh, Windows Pro, um, you may not see the same level of optimization uh, that you're going to get out of 10s, and it's not clear what applications run on 10s or don't run on 10s at this time. Well, the, the limitation on 10s is you can't sideload or uh, load any applications that are not in the Microsoft Store. So you can't run um, Chrome per se. You can't run other third-party software. Uh, right now, you can't. Uh, uh, you will be able to run shortly uh, uh, the iTunes because that will be available in the Microsoft Store, but not today. Uh, so that's going to be one of the limitations. Is with the that's the the, the uh, Windows 10s um, is locked down, and you can only run applications that are uh, available on the Microsoft Store. Well, that's the other the other thing is the business model. I mean, if this is an always connected PC, how are the carriers going to charge for this? Well, that, that, and that's a really missing part of the piece. And neither Microsoft nor um, uh, Qualcomm had a carrier story to go along with this. And you would think this would be an excellent opportunity for the, for the carriers to get involved and sell these PCs at their stores, and it's a new distribution channel for it as well. But um, none of that seemed to be present at the launch. So it, it, it seems to be a big missing piece. I think what we would like to see is a for an always connected PC, which um, is only a data plan. It, it doesn't include voice, doesn't include text, um, which is somewhat limiting. It's not really a, a full smartphone replacement, not that anybody would replace a smartphone with a, a, a clamshell. Uh, what's the price point? You know, if it was only $10 or $15 a month, that might not be too bad. Uh, but if it's more than that, uh, then that's, that's going to limit the um, uh, appeal to a lot of people. Again, I think um, that's that was something that I, I was I was kind of expecting to see at the Qualcomm event. I was surprised there was no reference to it. 
Yeah, and, and it looks like the PCs are going to be roughly the same price of a standard XA6 PC. Um, so far, the price points announced, I believe, were $599 and $799 uh, for two different configurations from ASUS. Yeah, and that's pretty pricey. You, you would, you, um, I know they're trying to stay out of uh, comparison with a netbook and saying it's a really inexpensive, cheap PC, and they're trying to sell it as a more premium product and a more mainstream price point. But um, it's, a, it's a pretty risky um, proposition for people uh, at that price point. Now, one of the things, you do get a built-in cellular connection, a built-in cellular modem, which most PCs don't have. In fact, that's still very rare. You can get some PCs configured with cellular modems, but um, you know the prices for that modems are usually pretty high because they have to put in a, a different daughter card just to support the extra cellular connection. Meanwhile, these have cellular connections built right into the PC. So that's worth a few, a few hundred dollars right there. You know, and I think having that built in is going to open up new opportunities. We're not seeing it yet, but I would really like to see this being a seamless experience between your smartphone and this always connected PC. You know, I'd like to be able to see data synchronized. I'd like to be able to see single logon capabilities. I'd like to be able to see... Um, you know, being able to do the same thing from one platform to the other. Um, I think eventually we'll get there, but so far it does. It looks like it's pretty much a standalone device, not something that's seamlessly integrated with your smartphone. Yeah, and also these first two devices, the one from HP and the one from Asus, look kind of like traditional uh, laptops. There's nothing really unique about it yet. And I think that's because these are the first generation of these, uh, these new connected PCs. We haven't seen what Lenovo is going to do, and I think we're probably going to see that at CES. Yeah, the kind of traditional-looking PCs. I mean, part of that might be um, uh, Microsoft wants to sell this as, "Hey, it looks just like a PC. It's nothing weird." Um, but at the same time, you think the fact that you can run these things fanless, um, that they have long battery life, that you can put in a thinner form factor, and you can make things much sexier. Uh, so I expect a second generation of, of products that will be a little more unique and a little more differentiated. Yeah, and we haven't seen uh, all of the vendors, who's going to be supporting, who's not going to be supporting. And even Microsoft wouldn't comment on whether or not they're going to be offering a device, uh, so, uh, kind of a surface alternative to it. Um, we do know right now HP's is more like a traditional clamshell, and Asus, um, the Novago, is going to be more like a convertible, a traditional convertible. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's definitely the vendors are going to try to differentiate around this platform. Yeah. I, like I said, uh, I think they need to give it more time for them to play around with it, give some more uh, um, changes and, and, and some innovation around it. Now, the one thing I've was a little surprised by is the positioning. Now, the initial parts are using the Snapdragon 835, which is um, the present you know Snapdragon that's available in the marketplace today. But just a day later, um, Qualcomm uh, has a whole, a whole session on the Snapdragon 845, which is the next generation part. So there was some concern that, wow, maybe um, these announcements back to back may have hurt the initial uh, set of products because in a sense, people will say, well, maybe I should wait for the Snapdragon 845 version of the product instead and of buying the first ticket. That's true. Uh, although, as we've seen with smartphones and even uh, other PCs, it's usually uh, anywhere from 9 to 12 months later before we see versions on the latest 
uh, silicon technology come out. But you are right. I mean, the Snapdragon 845 is touting a 30% performance overall over the 835. So, you know, you can get an 835 in Q1. When's the, the 845 may be out, who knows, maybe as early as Q4. Yeah, so yeah, it's not like, like you know, it's not like, um, say, Apple introduces a new iPhone and says, oh, and by the way, you know, the next day they say, oh, this is the uh, A12 uh, uh, CPU that will be available in the next generation phone. So, it, you know, nobody does that. So that's kind of what Qualcomm did. It's kind of what you get when you mix the smartphone industry and the PC industry all into one. Um, well... Tell me, what's your overall opinion? Positive, negative, neutral? What do you think of the always connected PC? Um, I'm actually very positive on the idea. Um, I'd like to get hands on and play around with it more. There are some constraints to it. Um, you, um, the, the operating system, Windows 10s, only doing uh, Microsoft apps. That means you know I have to wait for iTunes to be available in the store if I want to run iTunes. Um, I may not be able to get a Chrome browser or another third-party browser, aside from Microsoft Edge. Um, and then if I convert to um, Windows Pro, Windows 10 Pro, do I lose some of the performance? Are the optimizations uh, lesser in Windows 10 Pro? Uh, I do know that um, I'm limited to 32-bit versions of the applications, not 64-bit. So I do know there's some constraints there. Um, but um, as a former owner of the original um, Surface RT, which ran Windows RT, and uh, the Surface 2, which ran an updated version of the, of the uh, uh, NVIDIA Tegra processor, I was pretty happy with those. Um, yeah, I was limited to uh, Internet Explorer, and, but that was fine. It, um, it had uh, the Microsoft Office uh, productivity tools that translated to run on ARM, and they ran real well. And I was very happy using that. And I was getting great battery life and it was really portable. So I think there's a lot of potential here. I mean, and that was, you know, a couple of generations ago of um, an older version of Windows, as well as much older uh, uh, ARM technology. So I, I think the uh, A35 is a much more capable chip and um, be really interested to see how this performs. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the ARM-based products are still increasing in double-digit uh, rates in terms of overall performance from one generation to the next. So um, it is going to be interesting to see. I'm, I'm also very positive on it. Um, I would like to see, I'd like to know more about the business plan uh, or the carrier uh, service plan. And I would like to see things seamlessly work with my smartphone. Um, but overall, you know, uh, I'll admit getting... 20 hours of work out of it and 30 hours of standby and not have to worry about plugging it in every two hours when I'm at a conference. That's very attractive. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said in your form space, you know, leave your power adapter at home. And that's, that's a, a great idea that you can go to a, uh, spend all day at a conference. I mean, actually I would love to have these devices at CES because CES is a marathon all day long, and often you don't have a time to plug in your 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 uh, laptop if you get a charge. You're on the go all the time, and I think this would be a great application for it. I, I would also love to see it in a uh, smaller form factor, like an eight-inch or device that is more like a, a bigger tablet, so you could take uh, handwritten notes as well. I think that would be an interesting product. That's why I expect 
we'll see a much more innovations on the second generation of these products um, sometime later this year, or sorry, later 2018, um, into 2019. But um, hopefully, and I, I believe this is the case, that Microsoft's committed to um, uh, moving this product forward over time. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, I, I, they've been working on this for over five years now since they first introduced Windows RT. So uh, it's clear that Microsoft is definitely committed to having alternative architectures supporting Windows. Well, that's yeah, all we so have for today. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Definitely two thumbs up. That's all we have for today. This is uh, Jim McGregor with Kevin Crewell from Tyrius Research. Thank you for joining us and look for more podcasts on our YouTube channel and links on our website, www.teriousresearch.com. Thank you very much.